0: Guys, before we before we jump into this, I learned something that literally blew my mind watching this movie. Are you Your okay? mind blew open. Yes, literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the father of the protagonist takes a piece of bread <laughs> and he puts butter on the bread. Yeah, what and is with that? Well, I thought it pretty brilliant, and then he used, then he took the corn on the cob and then put it around the bread to like roll the corn onto the bread with the butter on it to butter the yeah, corn
1: i i'm a fan of that strategy but then there's a twist what's that <laughs> that it's the corn raw. is raw okay well that's what, what that was part the i'm point not of doing
0: that scene oh that i don't know but i never because <laughs> listen if it was if it was up to me the way to butter your corn is you just put that whole piece of cob right on a stick of butter and you roll it but that oh, just like the long way yeah, but that just ruins the butter, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would always
2: like you put the 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 end of the stick on it and then go wipe up and down as you twist the cob. That's sure. the standard way of doing it, right?
1: Yeah, um, that seems like a nice So yeah. the, but, but the bread
2: thing is a thing though? I don't know, but seeing it I was like oh,
1: I mean oh. it's it it looks like it worked pretty swell.
0: Yeah. So uh I'm gonna try it next time I have corn the cob. Obviously <laughs> we're not quite to corn the cob season, but Put it in the back of my head. Then you're going to eat the bread? Yeah. Man, that's a lot of butter. Uh-huh. Shh. Listeners, welcome to a new episode of the Midnight Boys Present, a free podcast. I'm your co host, Rob, and joined as always by my grade-changing friends, Joe and Duff. What's
1: up? I, I'm
0: Juice today. How about you? How are you feeling, Duff?
1: I, I mean, we get to talk about nuclear warfare, which is yeah. like...
2: <laughs> and computers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, there's always some excitement with us when we start a new season, and then like by the end of it, we're like, why did we agree to talk about this stuff?
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But,
2: but I, I'm, there's no way I'm going
0: to get sick of this. I'm always ready to go and have fun on the computer.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, this and, is... And we have a variety of genres.
0: We do. We do. So we're going online. That's what we're doing. Duff chose a season. We're going online. We're going all sorts of genres. We're starting out with uh, War Games um, from 1983. And we're going to talk about the movie, obviously. We're going to talk about early internet. Duff, I know, has a bunch of content about uh, nuclear madness <laughs> uh, that exists in real life. I have... Uh, crafted tales of the early web of my personal... <laughs> uh, not triumphs. Tribulations. Uh, this this is going to become a Internet. fan
1: favorite. <laughs> I can tell already.
0: So, uh, we got a lot to go on, but right right away, Duff, why don't you just, before we jump into War Games and the plot of it, why don't you just... Uh, I know you've done this on previous episodes, but like, what, what, what are we doing here? What are, we're going online. What, what's happening? Just on
1: how, how did movies... Uh, represent the internet as the internet was kind of becoming mainstream. Poorly. So most, <laughs> most of these movies are from the nineties. Uh, today's is from the eighties, but we have kind of, you know, kind of assigned a variety of uh, different internet aspects like uh, online dating, uh, the surveillance state, live streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just kind of taking a journey through time and see how movies, how movies grappled with the old internet, uh, and with war games. I bet some people are thinking, "This isn't the internet. This is just old, old ass computers."
0: Old <laughs> ass computers.
1: Uh, so I, I do think it's interesting to give kind of a reference of where we are. Uh, so the internet. Uh, Really originated in the 1960s.
0: Wait, you're giving us the history of the internet? No, I'm just, it's like very,
1: very short. Okay. I'm just saying, like, the internet, but not as we know it, was around the 60s and it was called the ARPANET project. And it really was just computers connected to one another. And that is the type of stuff that war games is. It is the internet in its purest sense. And I think a lot of what we're Going to be doing will focus on the web, the World Wide Web. And, you know, it's always a gag where people are like, oh, the interwebs, but they're actually different. And the internet is literally just computers hooked up to one another. Mm -hmm. And the World Wide Web is, uh, those are what use HTML and the Hypertext Transfer Protocol service. And those are what kind of made the web into like an interface we can use. And those were invented by. Maybe the most important dude who's not a household name, Tim Berners-Lee. Like okay. I, he, I think he might be the most important person of the last 100 years, and he's not really well known. And he's uh,
0: he's the the World Wide Web guy.
1: Yeah, and. Uh, unlike almost everyone else who invents things, he's actually really cool and has a conscience, and he's kind of distressed about what uh, this all became. And he's a big advocate for privacy and reforming the web. And he's the the head of the World Wide Web Consortium Council. Okay. Um, so that's kind of the background and why we're at War Games, because this is kind of the internet in its purest form. It is just a bunch of computers hooked up to one another, and the main reason that we started doing that was the government was afraid of a nuclear attack wiping out all information so they wanted to be able to share it
0: and we'll get to this but war games um, is a a lot of introduction to a lot of terms in computing that still exist and get used today even though this movie is you know uh, older than I am um, there's still a lot of stuff they talk about which like is the same as it is now it's not yeah much different. this
1: this movie beat you to the world by a few months
0: it did yeah
1: um and yeah this was kind of like mainstream america for a lot of people this was their introduction to household computing and just the idea of like a command line and modems mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah honestly it gets a you know, it's it's pretty realistic from the time, and I, I don't think there's anything that's really that fanciful about it.
0: No, I was actually surprised by that too. Or right, well let's let's jump in, let's jump into the plot. Um, so we start out uh, in war games. The, the U.S. Air Force decides that they can't trust people to drop the bomb when it comes time, and that they should have a computer that does it. After they had done some drills, and I don't know if you guys noticed, but in the opening scene in this movie. That's a young Michael Madsen. It
1: is baby Madsen.
0: (laughs) Which, uh, I mean, how could you not notice? I mean, he he, he looks like he always... He has a very distinctive look. Very tall. I would
1: describe it as (laughs) Cro-Magnon.
0: Very tall guy. A little more... Definitely more baby-faced here than we, you know, see him later on. But... uh, So then they they bring in a supercomputer to do the work called the War Operation Plan Response, or... Shortened out to Whopper. <laughs> <laughs> so there is there is no Burger King tie-in, but they talk a lot about the Whopper.
1: Man, that was a missed opportunity. This was a big hit.
0: <laughs> I know, I know. Home of the Whopper. Um, no rad. So uh, we have Matthew Broderick, who is a, a high school student and hacker. He does things like he's got this incredible setup in his room, and he will... He will uh, tap in using the internet uh using his phone lines into the high school computer and change his grades. He shows this cool trick to his friend Jennifer which by the <laughs> way guys uh <laughs> nothing like having your cool cute friend Jennifer ru- literally run to your house to hang out and you're like let me show you some cool things on my computer. <laughs> well, <laughs> relatable. I, th- yeah. I, th- <laughs> I
1: think that this movie uh it might be the root of some harm in the world because this movie makes it seem like that high school girls want nothing more than to watch you use a computer.
0: Yeah. And for, for a while, he just, she just watches him play a game. And she she's is, like she enthralled. is very
1: excited about him making a Paris flight reservation. Mm-hmm. Uh, to
0: be fair,
2: uh, I would you could, If you could steal a plane ticket right now, I would be fascinated to watch you do it on a computer. Sure. and And you have to imagine, she probably doesn't know a single other person that has a computer at home. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It is um, it is a lot, you know... I don't know if this is a good time, but I, I would Uh-oh. like you guys to estimate how much his setup costs, because he has a lot of gear. So
1: I had questions about that, because I, at first I saw that, and I'm like, oh, is his dad a scientist? Are his parents really rich and into tech? No, they're just... In the very corn. solidly middle class. His mom's a realtor. I don't remember what the dad is. And that computer must have cost the equivalent of like at least twenty thousand dollars.
0: He has an insane setup in his room. There, yeah, it's, there's there,
1: like it's a
2: not it's not just the computer, but like a wall full of like peripherals and yeah,
1: stuff plugged into yeah. it. He has a he has a modem, which at that point in time were very expensive.
0: Oh yeah, I I, I don't it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. um how he has all that stuff in his room although his room is a very 80s movie bedroom for a teen it's huge with like massive like closet doors his own
1: private bathroom yeah like
2: (laughs) he has the like the one of the best like movie bedrooms i've ever seen a whole Mm -hmm. corner devoted to enough well literally enough equipment to break into norad (laughs) and his own bathroom he like if he had a fridge and a stove in there, he would never need to leave his room.
0: I mean, Jennifer runs there to his house. She's all sweaty. She, like, dries off in his bathroom. And then he's like, let me show you my new computer games. And I'm just wondering if, like, the parents downstairs are like, oh, I- Oh man! Looks like uh, David found a nice little girl. To maybe who knows what's going on up there? No, nope, they're just playing. They're just <laughs> breaking
1: into Norad. <laughs>
0: yeah, he gets to like he he has like uh, this huge lock on his door,
2: and he just gets to have a girl in there. Yeah, door closed. Yeah, and his and and, and like much like Rob's early child, like teen years, like his parents are probably just relieved. Like, oh, thank
1: <laughs> oh
0: God. yeah. Like, yeah, when, for sure.
1: When his dad goes outside and there's just a random girl sitting on the step, he's like, yeah, you can go in. Go on.
0: I mean, I will say the parents, we don't know where the money comes from. That's a whole other thing. But they are, you know, they have this kid who's really into computers and they're just like, yeah, whatever, man. Well, they, you know,
1: I mean, you do it. You do I, you. I feel like their expectations were pretty low because they were just pleased he was passing his grades. Like, not excelling. Just like, oh, you didn't fail. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't fail.
2: Yeah. He has, like, like overpowering only child energy. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. like he, awesome. you could, like, he, <laughs> he <laughs> they basically give him his own apartment on the second floor. Uh-huh. And they must have bought him every computer toy he ever asked for. <laughs> yep. Yep. And uh, and then in their, like, sort of late middle age, they're just happy for every minute where, like,
0: he's not hassling them.
1: <laughs> I don't even know if that computer could fit through the door. Did they have to remove a window or something?
0: Yeah, it's like moving a couch into, like, a, a second-floor apartment. They had to go yeah. up through his,
1: like, patio <laughs> window. Through the probably window,
0: has. where his dad yells at him for, what, is he, what did he do? Something with the garbage. He didn't shut the garbage
1: dog got in the garbage yeah he
0: didn't he didn't shut the garbage lid and the dog got into it outside um so anyways in war games he gets really excited because he sees in his one of his computer magazines (laughs) about this like new computer and he like uses his his knowledge to like you know uh hook into the phone lines and then connect to it it's a new computer game right it's like a system i think and he's okay. excited because he can he can have access to all the games. There's chess, ah, there's blackjack. Okay.
1: All ten uh, games. <laughs>
0: and then there's stuff like Thermonuclear War. And uh, he's all excited about getting into it, but he doesn't know the password to get into it to play the game. So he does – I mean, credit him, guys. Pre-World pre Wide Web, goes to the library and does, does a bunch of legwork, research. does the legwork, man. Yeah. Does the legwork to find out that uh, the creator – behind um behind this system his uh his son had died and he realizes it's the dead the creator's dead son joshua and he puts that in which the one thing is not one thing one of many things this movie gets well is like most of hacking is just social engineering most like the reason he's able to connect to the school system isn't because the system isn't any good it's because they write the password down in the office yeah. for the school system the reason he's able to get into this is because this super smart, <laughs> this super smart computer programmer is like, I'll just have my password be my son's name.
1: This dude did the most legwork ever to play what is essentially he thought a DOS-based version of Command and Conquer.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Is is this movie the first one
2: to document boomers having bad password security?
1: Mm. Probably.
2: Because like at his. Principal would have been on like the older edge of a boomer, right? Like he's probably born in like nineteen forty. Well, yeah.
0: I mean, I would say because Matthew yeah. Broderick would be a Gen Xer, right? So, the, all those adults for sure are boomers. Yeah, is the early eighties. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean that's a that's a great point. Almost everything he figures out is just because someone left a password somewhere. They either wrote it down or their password was their kid's name. Yeah. <laughs> Which again like, I was just has,
2: hasn't for a really key changed.
0: So, so he, what turns out what he actually did was hack into NORAD. Yes. And he starts playing a thermonuclear war, which, which he doesn't, doesn't actually realize real war. is <laughs> actually like simulating a war. And everyone at NORAD thinks that it's real and is convinced the Soviet Union is about to drop bombs.
1: And this is where the movie gets a little wacky. Because, a little bit. Because uh, Whopper becomes self-aware. <laughs> And starts learning on its own, even though that technology was—I mean, we're just getting to that now.
0: Well, you don't know what Norad had, had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I will say one more thing about uh, David. He has an absolute thing. Joe, I got to ask you this: If you were a teacher, which you are, <laughs> but let's say, let's say hypothetically you were, beautifully a teacher too. set up, Rob. <laughs> if you are this thing that you are, that you are. And you were you were talking about um, uh, something oh, asexual that, reproduction. A, asexual reproduction. You're like, what? What do you call reproduction without sex? And someone says, your wife. <laughs> would you throw them out, or would you just tip your hat and be like, you got me? Do I like the kid or not? That's <laughs> what it boils
1: down to. I, I don't think the teacher in this movie likes any kids. No, he, no, he's, he's not. A, he's a jerk. Um, I, it's. And probably, like, driving some kids to suicide by holding up their paper that they got an F on and just making fun of them in front of the whole class. I wonder
2: how many schools still give Fs. I don't know. Like, I've never given it. Like, it's a U now. I don't know. Maybe that's just a thing for my
0: school district. You can do better.
1: (laughs) You tried.
2: This is
0: unsatisfactory. Uh, Okay, so, yeah, then the plot gets in. It goes a little wild, David. He, gets, he, he owns adults left and right in this movie. He does, but he he runs off, gets away from the feds, escapes from the feds. Very clever ways. Um, mm-hmm. which, uh, and then he uses uh, he his computer up, skills. Yeah, and he meets up with um, with uh, Jenny, uh, Jennifer, and uh, they escape. And then they meet up with the real crater who they thought was dead, but he isn't. Stephen Falcon who uh is played Get- by um John Wood and is I think terrible
1: in so this movie. I agree yeah he, first of all what a sweet deal that he's like I don't want to be part of the military industrial complex anymore okay here's a gorgeous two-story cabin on your own private island on
0: a private island
1: and yeah. here's your sweet pterodactyl drone.
0: They fly <laughs> around. They the terror attack
1: and a helicopter. They just showered him with big boy toys.
2: Yeah, like, th- this was a situation where they desperately needed like someone really famous, but not often in films, to be the cameo as this character. Like Do you know, how David Bo- like how David Bowie plays Tesla in The Prestige. Yeah,
0: yeah. it like, yeah. Needed so- someone with like that kind of juice. Do you instead? know who they wanted, Joe? Do you know who they originally? Oh no, wanted I don't for know. This? Uh, John Lennon. Oh, he would have been awesome, but then he got murdered. He got murdered. So, like I, That took him out of the running of it, I guess. But he, yeah. he got
1: murdered, Like, wasn't that
0: 1980? Yeah, so I is think it early that on that this, long.
1: This had been in production for a while. It started in the 70s. Um, a big inspiration for the Falcon character was Stephen Hawking.
0: Yeah, but the way he's played is he's played... Uh, hey, Joe, I don't know if you see this at all. He's played... Kind of the way Ricky Gervais plays Derek and Derek. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> Man, a Derek reference. <laughs> he's,
0: just... he's terrible. He just looks on, like his weird look on his face. He, it's awful. He's yeah. a dumb
1: character, and for some reason, when he's talking about why he's okay with the world ending, he has a film strip of like an old Harry, Ray Harryhausen dinosaur movie ready to go. Yeah, and, yeah, like.
2: <laughs> like, like his, like his character should have been like super, like kind of dark and bitter and cool, but like he's like, he's they finally run into him and he's just literally flying a pterodactyl drone he's around a, like, he's a, like you can't take him seriously. But 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 like in the context of the story, like he's just has to be carrying just an unfathomable amount of guilt. Yeah. Also, like,
1: he was supposed to be really despondent because his wife and son died in a car accident. Yeah. And, like, we meet him, and, yeah, he's just kind of out playing with his toys on his island. And on top of that, his whole thing is that, oh, you know, it's time for people to go extinct, and it's time for a new thing to crop up. And it's like, okay, I get that. Does a complete 180 in, like, two minutes.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. (laughs) He does. So he, they, you know, uh, who should have played him? Who's that? Werner Herzog. Oh, <laughs> because like yeah. a, he would totally nail that character and that performance. A and B, it would provide you know sort of crucial connection with the uh, the um, Manhattan Project. Like oh, a former Nazi made this. You know, like so, having a German actor, we
0: we could yeah. safely assume that. Um, the, the way to do it is there's no reason for this character to exist outside of what we're told about him like we, we don't need to see him we don't need he doesn't need to come back there's nothing he does to help well
1: he marginally helps but i he, do agree he that he's a he very he unnecessary convinces the idea that they're that,
2: it, that it's just a simulation that is bluffing you
0: know? that's true but but you know so anyways they, they all end up at NORAD. And uh, they convinced him, as Joseph said, it's just a simulation, and not to drop any bombs. And everyone's like, oh, "All right, fine, we're gonna do it." And then everyone's fine, and it looks like everything is gonna work out, except the Whopper goes from <laughs> goes from single to double to impossible. <laughs> <laughs> it's going full Hal. Uh, yeah, Whopper but, is <laughs> crazy.
1: Whopper is big mad. He wanted his nuclear war.
0: Yeah. So it tries to do a brute force attack to just, like, guess thousands and thousands of numbers and letters so you eventually figure out what the launch codes are. And um, it's looking quite dire. And then uh, David gets Whopper to play tic-tac-toe against itself, which is as silly as it sounds, but it does uh, work out. Because the point is that he learns that, uh, much like tic-tac-toe, some of the nuclear war, there's there's no way to win so at the end the whopper essentially says it's a strange game the only winning move is not to play
1: it's actually a pretty i think cool message but it's preceded by a lot of goofiness
0: yeah yep i would agree i would agree like by the time like when they're doing the, like what game is it chess is it tic-tac-toe and it starts playing tic-tac-toe you're like where is this going and then when it does get there, like okay all right okay that yeah. works movie um but most but mostly David figures it out while while uh this computer guy just stands back there and stares at him all week. He's weird having a him.
1: great time. <laughs> yeah, the world may end and you're just like, Well, see if you can fi- see if this kid can figure it out. Be interesting. <laughs> so um, I did I oddly, um, I had seen the second half of this and I'd seen bits on cable, but I'd never seen it all the way through. So in some ways this was my first viewing, which I feel is I feel like that's weird for people in our age range. Um, I enjoyed this. I I thought this was a good time.
0: I I enjoyed it as well. But the thing that kind of surprised me is what I enjoyed most is Matthew Broderick is very good in this movie. And I think the first like 30 minutes of this movie when it's just like him as a high schooler and doing the stuff on the computer and like all that stuff, I think is when the movie's at its best. And at the very end until it gets like real silly but it's a rare movie with like teenage i know they're probably not teenagers but like with teenage characters and the movie is at its best when it's the teenagers on the screen and at its worst when it's the adults
1: and it feels like realistic teens Mm -hmm. um in that they you know like the the first thing she thinks is can you change my grade
0: (laughs) yeah
2: I love it in movies where there's, like, cool secret entrances to, like, top secret bases. Yes!
0: That is and, cool. And to be, there's yeah. a pretty good
2: one in the beginning of this movie, too.
0: Yep. Yep. At like, a hotel. It looks like an old abandoned, like, uh, house, I guess. And they look in the mirror, and then they say the password, and then, like, uh, the door opens up, and they go in. It's yeah, like
1: a, yeah. That's yeah. real cool. And I think all the NORAD stuff, I mean, obviously I haven't been there, but, you know, all the <laughs> technology looks really good. I, and I, from what I've seen, it looks real.
2: I've got. Yeah. One, there's only one not very not realistic part of Norad, other than that a teen could break out of it, um, and that is that they gave tours. Teens which are I sneaky, was, man. The <laughs>
0: tours to like the oh, city of man. Birmingham or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah, really. I thought that was it's really like funny. The
1: Birmingham City Council, and not only that, they let them sit down in the chairs. Like, you want to press a button? Yeah, and they do yeah. a gag on that lady. Yeah. Oh no, you press the wrong button. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. Yeah, but overall, yeah, I definitely, I I, I enjoyed it. And this movie was a big hit, and I know um, we could talk about it more, but, like, what's kind of wild to me about this movie is how much... It mattered not just in pop culture, but in like reality. Like I was seeing that, like Reagan saw this, and then they had meetings at the White House about this movie and about different questions that this movie asked. That they were like, we don't know the answers to those. Uh, do we Reagan know the answers know to those? I do not know if it was a movie or
2: a document, like real life.
0: Well, that's true. It was 1883, so it's early on. We don't know if Reagan's brain had, you it wasn't know, it yet? But yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, like for real though, this movie did like lead to a lot of stuff in Washington D.C. we like, oh yeah, boy, we... and
1: <laughs> and beyond that, it I I heard someone I somewhere I read that uh, this movie was like Star Wars for computer nerds, and that this spurred a lot of interest. And in, like, there's, I think it was largely anecdotal, but they said that uh, online bulletin boards uh, skyrocketed in use after okay. this movie came out and i I mean it it got a lot of people interested in computers because they honestly they might not have seen one realistically used before this
0: yeah and it you know like we said the social engineering about passwords the brute force attack that um the whopper does to get in the like discussion of like a back door there's a lot of stuff that like is not untrue. Like, those are terms yeah. and things that are still and used. And they,
1: they had a bunch of computer nerds as consultants, which is why I think this movie ages pretty well. Um, like, there's the scene where um David takes uh, Ali Sheedy to go see his, like, nerd friends, and at first you're like, oh, God, this is going to be, like, Revenge of the Nerd stuff. And it is a little bit, but they're actually saying true concepts Yeah, and the guy's talking about it's like oh well I put a back door into all my projects where it's just my password so then I can get in and it's like oh yeah it's actually pretty smart
0: yeah yeah it, it, it's, it's definitely uh, worth watching I guess guys I mean is this, is this Midnight Boys approved um I mean it's I liked it but I, I
1: I, I'm know. not you know it's I think you said this last week it's like those It's like fine. Rod Rotten Tomatoes are like ninety percent, but then you look at all the reviews. And it's like, oh, pleasantly surprised. Yeah, like they're <laughs>
2: yeah. all two and a half stars or whatever yeah. out of four. Yeah. I, yeah, I'd say it's in that range for me, like two and a half yeah. out of four.
1: It's I mean, t- perfectly it's, fine. It's got a lot of stuff I really like. I'm sure if it, I would have loved it more in the '80s.
0: Oh yeah, if I would have seen it when I was younger, for sure. Um, so Duff, I know you want to talk about nuclear madness that was happening in 1983.
1: So, this movie is kind of an unlikely candidate to be in the top 5 movies of the year. Mm-hmm. And but through happenstance, it it's came not out about Iron Man. <laughs> 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 like the year 1983 that this movie came out is uh, just a year where there were multiple times where we almost blew ourselves the hell up. <laughs> it like and part of the reason it's not as well known is because a lot of it was secret at the time. And, like, people, you know, if you ask people, it's like, oh, what was the most likely nuclear war of the Cold War? They'll say the Cuban Missile Crisis. But I, I just made a rough outline of the year 1983. So in March of that year, this was when Reagan gave the Evil Empire speech and announced that ridiculous Star Wars space defense program. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Soviets... Like throughout the '70s, the Cold War had kind of thawed, and this there's this whole idea of détente and mutually assured self-destruction. And the Soviets saw this as an arms escalation, and that the U.S. was being a bully, which, fair. Uh, and so, they put the KGB on alert, and they were just ready for a, a nuclear attack. Um, oh, a, fun, a little fun piece of trivia that is kind of actually. Justifying our weird behavior is uh, th- contrary to what the mutually assured self destruction principle was, the Soviets were actually trying to develop a Whopper, like a doomsday type thing that would operate. Okay. It was called the Dead Hand. Oh and, my God. And yeah. the idea was that <laughs> they were like, well, if we all get killed, we want to make sure that the Americans can still be killed too. So they were trying to develop this machine that would think on its own and launch in case they were incapacitated
0: okay okay so it's something that like if we get hit there's still something that can like yeah
1: okay got it yeah it just pure spite dead hand makes sense i get why it's called that then yeah um so that was march in june war games comes out in september you have uh korean airlines flight 007 was shot down because it mistakenly flew into a Soviet airspace, um, this plane was carrying a U.S. congressman, <laughs> which I didn't realize.
0: Oh, I didn't. I didn't. I know. I know nothing about this.
1: So this was a big to do, and again, it raised tensions because uh, at first the Soviets lied and said they didn't know anything about it. Then they changed their story and said that they thought it was a U.S. spy plane, and then the U.S. called it a terrorist act, and things, you know, kept going from that. Uh, and then what we have was one of the most fascinating stories I've ever heard, and it's more known now in the age of the internet, um, is that there was a, a Soviet false alarm where it was basically, it appeared that one missile was being launched at the Soviet Union from the U.S., and this guy, uh, Stanislav Petrov, Saw it and he's like, well, that doesn't make sense. If they were going to do a first attack, they would launch like, like in war games, twelve hundred missiles. Sure, right. Like if you're going to, you do don't really a, do
0: a warning shot. On if this.
1: you're going to do a preemptive attack, it's not just <laughs> one. So it turned out later that it was a false alarm and it was caused by a, an alignment of sunlight and high altitude clouds interfering with the with the Russian gear. And okay. but at the time, like this dude, like everything. Is pointing at him to start a nuclear war and less than five minutes after the alert began he decided it must be false and this guy was like literally like on the like on the phone with one hand and like writing things down with another and it's basically because this guy kept his cool that the world did not blow up and when did, when did that happen in 83 March or sorry September of 1983 Oh, okay. Like, uh-huh. people are shouting at him. and I think there's a documentary about him, or maybe it was a book, that's called something like The Man Who Saved the World.
0: Okay. Well, I didn't know this. Interesting. Um, it's wild, like, like literally, like, one guy probably yeah. did. Maybe he had seen war games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so, and if that isn't wild enough, that is one of two times we almost blew ourselves up. And then the next time... Uh, November NATO decided it was still a good idea to have some war games hmm. and codenamed Able Archer 83 okay and the whole point of this was to, re- to rehearse uh, you know nuclear war prep and I mean paranoia and distrust is just off the charge and so the Soviets are convinced this is a double cross that it's actually um, prepping for war okay um, and so they, decide that this is the big one um they were on maximum alert they basically had missiles readies there were subs going out um there were people hidden on countryside like aircraft carriers were kept going and it was kind of like this big standoff until the war games ended but basically uh russia had its finger on the button for like five days because they were convinced that this was actually um was not a. Thing.
0: They didn't. They didn't think it was like a simulation slash training. They thought it exactly. was actually going to happen. Okay.
1: So and then interestingly, uh, what tops off that year, November twenty sixth is uh, the movie The Day After, which is uh, a big television movie. Um, at the time, it was seen by a hundred million people. Oh wow! Um, yeah. And this was like this was like prestige TV of the time, and for anyone who doesn't know it's uh it's it's it has like john lithgow and jason robards and the like this is back when like if you're a respected actor you would not do tv yeah, yeah like tv was slumming so this was like high production value and just it was a movie about the aftermath of nuclear war and it was just kind of an odd uh cap to a year in which we almost blew ourselves up twice wow Um. I would, the last fun fact I have about that is that after that uh, aired, uh, ABC had a live debate hosted by Ted Koppel about nuclear war. And, you know, there's there's some hits and there's some misses here. I'm just going to read off the panelist. Okay. Uh, okay. Scientist Carl Sagan. Good. Okay. Seems like a good one to have. Henry Kissinger. Oh. God. Point counterpoint. Okay. Yep. <laughs> uh, then Elie Wiesel. Holocaust survivor, writer okay. of night, back, back in the, the *Wind* column. Uh, then we have Robert McNamara. <laughs> oh. um, okay. Another okay. general, Brent Scoutcroft. I don't know who he is. Uh, and then William F. Buckley Jr. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so quite a, quite a panel there debating about whether nuclear war was good or bad.
0: Wow. So this is like, I mean, this was like put the kids to better when sat and watched the day after and then and then like or maybe they had the kids watch it and then they watched the debate with people talking about nuclear warfare and if we <laughs> is should it have good is, is
1: nuclear war an acceptable option
0: yeah wow yeah it's so weird you know because we were all i mean we were all alive at this point right babies we are infants. toddlers yeah, yeah right and so like i feel like we grew up in the wake of the Cold War, but like never felt the Cold War.
1: We did not have. Um, I mean, I have always had a fascination with like nuclear fiction and things like that. But that's, I think that's just because it's such a obscene topic. I don't think I ever had the legitimate fear of the Russians are going to nuke us.
0: Yeah, I don't either. <sighs> um, and I'm a little younger, right? I'm a mean, year younger than you guys, but I don't remember. I mean, the first thing I remember, like, the first world event I remember, like, I remember seeing it and being like, that's a thing, and it's happening in the world, would be, like, Desert Storm.
1: I vaguely remember my parents, like, talking about the Berlin Wall coming down, and that was 89, I think. Okay. I remember
2: the World Series that got interrupted by an earthquake, which I think was 80... Oh, it was that was 89. That was 89, too. Yeah, because yeah, I was... Yeah, I remember that.
1: Yeah, But yeah, we didn't, you know, by the time we were kind of old enough to absorb things, the Soviet Union, it was Gorbachev who was much more progressive mm. than the people before him, and it was already kind of coming undone.
2: I remember a teacher getting really mad, and this is an elementary school, and I don't know, in hindsight, I'm not, I haven't thought of this in a long time, but a teacher talking about... um the russians and and uh, like telling that story of and which i think i've since learned is not actually true it's like a distorted story but was it khrushchev that like slammed his shoes at the U, at the un meeting or something yeah. and he said he would like bury us or something like that i can't remember that, but that's the way this teacher told but I, I think that's largely nonsense and a kid like saying that was cool and her getting really mad like we thought you know we could all die any minute like the russians could bomb we're getting like super mad and like scolding us about like the reality of living with that like fear of nuclear war and like we were like probably like third grade or something
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, fourth grade in, in college i took a history course on the soviet union and it was a great course but i remember the first day the professor uh i think it was I don't know if it was professor or assistant professor or whatnot, but she was probably 10 years older than us. So she would have been born like early 70s. And she said that the way she became interested in Russia and the Soviet Union was because she would have these like panic attacks when she was little about being annihilated by nuclear weapons. And that kind of set off a lifelong, like, just like, well, what, what is this? And like learning all about the Soviet Union and the Cold War.
0: Mm. Yeah. Boy. Well, thank God we don't live in scary times anymore.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you look at, you look at the old film strips of like duck and cover when people like get under their desk and you think that's stupid. How could anyone ever buy that? And then like you read about school shooting drills and like how these companies sell bulletproof glass entrances. It's like, ah, now I get it.
0: The only other thing I was going to say about the movie is there's a part where um, uh, David is kind of like, you know, learning all what's happening at NORAD and this nuclear war and this whole thing. And since the, the plot of the season that we're doing is going online, this made me think a lot about the internet when he said, when he goes, I wish I didn't know about any of this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: which I oh, feel God, like so
0: much yeah, I wish I didn't I think know. that
2: at least five times a day when I'm online
0: <laughs> right <laughs> like I feel like this is if there is like a, a thesis to this entire season uh, and about being on the internet it, it is like I just I don't need to uh, there's a lot of information and in things <sighs> I've seen it, I, really
1: I wish is,
2: it really is a Pandora's box uh, I, like
1: <laughs> I wish I didn't know about that lady who farted in jars and then got to go to the hospital and <laughs> wish I didn't know about Jordan Peterson. Like, there's so much stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff. There's a there's there's a lot of and like, you know, even things that you're not even trying to find and also you're like, what? Oh no, I wish I wouldn't have read or seen that. That's terrible. Or
1: like <laughs> how you'll be able to form opinions on things that you actually don't care about. You just kind of like ab- absorbed it, and so all of a sudden you can be like, I have I have thoughts about. uh this Kardashian uh, Pepsi advertisement sorry it was uh, Jenner yeah. <laughs> sorry wasn't a Kardashian it was uh, Jenner, Jenner? Uh, one of yeah
0: them. yeah yeah so I think that's that that's uh, a pretty much sums up uh, uh, the internet we'll see how that moves that idea moves forward things only
1: get, get worse <laughs> from this point on
0: the uh, the other thing I wanted to tell guys unless you want to say any more about the movie I'm but so if excited
1: you're... for this for this segment <laughs>
0: So I'm not sure which of these stories have been shared or not. Uh, definitely not on a free podcast. Potentially on Titanic Minute or whatever. But at least I know for the three of us, we forgot most of the stuff from that. So um, you mentioned Duff about this movie being a rise of um, afterwards of, of bulletin board systems. Yeah. yeah, I've got I've got a bit of a dark history with those as well.
2: We might we might have to commiserate a little bit here. But let's see where you're going.
0: All right, so uh, in the uh, early days of the internet, so like before before we had World Wide Web, um, you just have you know you could just connect with your you know nine point or eight point eight kilobyte per second. Like modem. Everything's
1: just text based screens.
0: Um, there was a locally it wasn't Spooner; it was out of Shell Lake, which is a local, a nearby neighboring town called the Woodyard. All right. <laughs> oh, oh no. God. Now the uh, woodyard was a BBS and it could hold so this this guy ran this you know out of his house or whatever it could connect three people at once okay <laughs> all right and so you know this is there I, there's you know,
1: so I, many I, red flags already like you <laughs> you, have, you have a guy in the north woods who has a computer set up in like what 1991 uh no this would have
0: been this probably would have been later than that okay this is probably like 95 95 okay i'm not sure still
1: a lot of creep factor already
0: no and let me be clear nothing creepy happens in the story i don't want to like whoever mr woodyard out there i don't want him feeling bad so what you could do in the woodyard is you could connect up to three people and then they could have a chat they could use a chat and then there was a way through the bbs to then like access uh the internet okay uh, very, very slow, as you can imagine. The two things I remember is this would be a big deal. Like me and like a couple friends would talk about this and be like, are you going on the woodyard tonight? <laughs> but the problem is you could only have three people. So if there's someone else in the woodyard, you'd have to wait until uh... they went off in order for you to take that spot. <laughs> so like now you can just like have a text group of three people. It's no big deal. We would just like – hopefully time it out and keep trying to connect so that all three of us could type on our keyboards in a chat with two other friends like that that, that was like an exciting thing like oh my god we're all we all oh is is Ryan on okay we got Josh on our all, right, all three of us are on the
1: woodyard now so so this dude just <laughs> randomly set this up and like I, yeah
0: I, I I guess so and it was just like I forgot how you'd connect I think it was like a you know, it's probably like a, an address you would you would connect through, similar to war games, right? Like it wasn't like you would just connect on the internet. You would like, you know, dial into a number with your modem, and then you would connect. And uh, the other thing I remember is, you know, this this gave us access to the uh, to the World Wide Web, and I remember there being a uh, a photo gallery <laughs> of uh, of Tiffany Amber Thiessen. <laughs>
1: oh that's so good
0: that was very influential on uh on me uh (laughs) i will uh you know this is probably more for the after dark but i'm texting you guys i found it i found the photo gallery today oh no and uh you have to you have to say you're yes you're over 18
1: are these gonna be uh, are these gonna be fake nudes no
0: these aren't fake these are real these images are burned into my brain oh forever. My Holy, I will t- never t- forget those. Tiffany Everthiesen lives forever in my a certain part of my brain from having to wait forever for like <laughs> for like I mean, an image to load through the wood yard. Oh my god.
1: She, <laughs> in some of these, she looks like a corpse. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Uh, so well, that was 96 when those photos cha- outfit were. Outfit change.
0: So it would have been like th- so I would have been like 13 or so when I was doing this on the Woodyard. <laughs> uh anyways, very very <laughs> god I mean, dude. It's just wild how much of an explosion we would have of like, you know, online communications from like in a sh- few short years because like it was so exciting to connect to the Woodyard and talk to there was like
1: and you, four of and, us that would be And you it. had to wait for that photo of Kelly Kapowski to load line by line.
0: <laughs> line by line. I, I, I once made a joke when I was in college and until I had a high speed internet I didn't know women had legs. Because <laughs> 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 no I, one has that time to wait for it to load when I was all in, the way like, down.
2: When would like what you're describing have first come around? Like sort of that bulletin bore PBS kind of thing.
1: It's... Like well,
2: not images, but just like the just, yeah, stuff communicating so, with people it wasn't quite email, but like a like sort of like that way of. Like,
1: so I think that HTML like was published in like 1993. Okay. So yeah. I think that like by the time people started really getting stuff like that it was probably like 94, 95 at the earliest. So yeah, when, I, which when is, I
2: was in elementary school, I was like one of two kids that. At least this is the way I remember it, and obviously memory that far back could be unreliable, sure. but I remember it was just me and another kid were invited to go to this other classroom where they had a computer that was hooked up to, the inter- I guess, the internet, like the internet, right? It would have been probably yeah. like
0: 92 probably or 93. Probably the Netscape Navigator have- World Wide Web. Yeah, you could definitely be connecting to other computers then, for sure. Yes, and,
2: and, like, so I don't know why I was picked for this, but in hindsight, what an own. <laughs> that I was one of just two kids that were, p- like, picked, like, oh, we want you to go and, like, check out this stuff on the computer. And you could, like, send messages to people. I think it was almost, like, pitched to me like you could have, like, a pen pal from anywhere in the world or something. <laughs> you I could know. have a friend. <laughs> yeah, but and like I remember, I went like they wanted us to go, like during recess. Like you guys can come in here during recess whenever you want and like kind of try this stuff out. And I think I went like three times, and I was like, I don't want to go in there anymore. I just want to go play with my friends. Yeah, Which, yeah. So in a sense, like kind of an own that I was one of the two kids that was that that they like selected. To, like, yeah, we want you guys to kind of try this out. But and then. On the other end of it, I only went like three times. I was like, this sucks. I'm going to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never use this. Um, are, do any of your future stories involve uh, online bulletin board content? Yes. All right. I'll, that, sa- I'll, I'll save, would, for I'll next save my pathetic bulletin board story for when you share yours. I have one
0: for next week, and where I promise you guys I'll get into Talk City. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that I never got into, so I'd like to know more about that.
1: So I, <laughs> I think of the three of us that my house was the first to have like an actual uh isp i guess you'd call it we had prodigy oh yeah yeah. so
2: so did we like probably 94 95
1: okay so you maybe you had around the same time we did i don't know how my dad got into prodigy but uh i and for anyone out there prodigy was kind of like an AOL. It was like AOL. Yeah, it was it like, like
0: American Line before yeah. American Line.
1: Yeah, CompuServe was another one. Um but uh Prodigy would have these hubs and they had like a Nickelodeon hub and they had some Nickelodeon bulletin boards and I stirred some stuff up on there.
0: Yeah, I mean that the the idea of Prodigy was like it was it was an ISP but it would sort of like on rails, right? Like it, it wasn't like just go anywhere, like it would have yeah, like a little Yeah, it was it
1: was you know, a a GUI or a graphic yep. graphical graphical user interface yeah um,
0: there'd be portals you would go into and yeah you
1: know so instead of like matthew broderick just like typing junk this was like oh click on this button and now you're at the the news or something or yeah and there were yeah. there were also games uh so yeah that was that was our and my introduction to the internet
0: uh wild wild well like i said i have plenty more um internet stories um and i would say there's two more that are definitely more embarrassing than the Woodyard. So <laughs> hold on everyone. Um, is there anything else you guys want to talk about with war games, early, early internet, or, I mean, cause I'm going to be able to talk about it next week. Cause we're going to be talking about another internet movie that was made around the time we were all jumping online.
2: What, yeah. what kind of international incident do you guys think you'd be most likely to spark based on your internet usage?
1: Like now or when I was a Just child? Just at
2: any point in your life, like, like if they, like if you
1: if you were super smart before everyone else knew about the internet, like mm. Matthew Broderick.
2: Mm. Well, that's a great question.
0: Hmm.
1: I have to, I'm oh, thinking. Man.
2: I knew a guy that had some program that could create fake credit card numbers, so he could get free subscriptions to porn sites. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like putting the fake credit card generator thing in my hands would. Potentially, have created some issues,
0: but I don't I know mean, if they'd be world destroying ones. It is, it is a as someone who um, has spent a lot of time working in nonprofits in building and managing online giving platforms. That is a concern. A lot of times, you will have to have a minimum number on uh, on a gift to your organization because if you don't. I remember early on at one of my jobs we had what we referred to as the penny bandit. And the penny bandit <laughs> would hit the online giving and just try out credit card numbers at a penny.
1: <laughs> oh wow. Until, oh, and then okay. that would be a way so to So they see would just generate tens of thousands of credit card numbers.
0: Well, they would just do it to see if the credit card numbers were valid or not oh, because when you make a gift it, it has to go through. And so this is a way to do it without having to like give too much information because you're just Making a gift, right? You're not buying anything. Yeah, you don't need to put an address, maybe. Or um, you do, but you could, you know. But so, anyways, like yeah. people would just like we had to continually like increase the minimal amount that you can make a gift on to sort of like prevent
1: yeah. the penny bandit.
0: <laughs> I didn't know about that. That's interesting.
1: So, mine would probably be causing some type of mischief with, uh, like, a municipal computer system, and when i say that it makes me sound like a terrorist but but, so here's here's the explanation is that i went to uh, i went to a conference i think it was the minnesota it symposium and they had oh my god duff oh i've been multiple times (laughs) i'm just getting big
2: fargo energy from that like just a lot of people (laughs) like like the high school guy from Fargo, there. Uh, that such, goes a to such a super lady. Yeah, such a super lady.
1: A lot yeah. of lanyards. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, but so the keynote was actually one of the most fascinating keynote speakers I've ever seen because he was just talking about the dark web yes. and how easy it is to hack things, especially municipal things because a lot of this stuff is built, um, you know, on systems that are really old. And this guy, like, he had his kind of like. You know, he's an ethical hacker, and he's like, so I'm just going to show you how easy it is. And, like, he he showed how this, like, water tower in, like, Georgia or something, this is in Minnesota, he's just showing how he remotely accessed this. He's like, I'm not going to do anything but you can see that they just left the PDF up with the default password and they never changed the password. So, Mm -hmm. and that's on their website. And so now I'm at this screen and someone's like, isn't that kind of mean? He's like, I've informed them multiple times of the security flaw and they ignore me. So now I use them as the example.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I mean that, and once again, it's because it's not because the system as much as it's because they just left the password out. Yeah. And (laughs) the password is still change me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, governments are especially bad at this because uh because of their retention rate, they have a lot of older employees, and Did that write
2: the password pencil on a desk under the
0: computer. Uh, you know, listen, this gets me so mad. I, I, I there's no excuse for people. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how old you are. There's no excuse to not be able to do a password. They're not new. Passwords aren't new. None of this is new. It's all been around for decades. Like. It would, it would be like if I showed up at the gas station and just was like, I don't know how the hell to use this. How do I do this? How am I supposed to figure out how to fill my own tank like with you, gas?
2: You, you don't see boomers in front of ATMs uh, screaming about what a PIN number is. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like, it's insane. Like, I, I, also, I
2: can't believe it took, and uh, we're an hour into recording, I can't believe it took this long for you to get computer mad.
1: I mean, I'm, I I'm fully... Yeah, I'm I'm fully on your side on this, but yeah, the whole point of this presentation was, again, just to expose how you don't really have to be smart to be a hacker. You just have to be patient.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's so like,
1: and it really is um, a lot of times it's like you know being a a classic con man and just doing the long con, and so I feel like that like my thing would just be exposing stupid boomers with weak passwords in government institutions.
2: Let's. Let's say I made it my mission for the next three months to try to hack into your work account. Um, my
1: personal work account. No,
2: like, like, yeah, so I could post. So
1: you could post. So and could post. let's just
2: say, let's say I wanted to post just a lot of sexy nude Shrek's and Garfields on that account.
1: <laughs> will, will you throw it? you throw in some very nipply Tiffany Amber
2: <laughs> Maybe as an homage to Rob, I could maybe do that too. Uh, are you confident in your OPSEC? Like, I'm not going to be able to do it? Thanks uh, to that conference, perhaps, in part? Like, did you beef things up? Or could I get sneak in some some nude Garfields?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I want some nude Garfield content. But number one, <laughs> number one, I use LastPass, so it's a random string of characters. And number two, I use a Google Authenticator. There so you go, buddy. Pretty- there you go pretty so, confident that you could not do that so
2: all of my new tracks are gonna have to stay in my in my drop box <laughs> and i'm gonna have to target another municipality do you got
1: any sonic stuff for me? <laughs> <laughs> i'm Once not sh- i'm not sure we're ever gonna re- i'm not sure this season we're gonna get to that point but <laughs> it, what if like 25 years ago you like went to your past self and it's like Hey, you know oh. all those like cartoons you like? Uh, in twenty <laughs> years, it's going to be a big thing where people draw them like having sex with one another. There's going to be an, again, an animated
2: cartoon back- of Shrek dancing with his hog swinging in the air.
0: <laughs> we got to go we, once again. We got to go back to the quote from War Games. I wish I didn't know
1: about. Any I of this. <laughs> I wish I didn't know about like pregnant Sonic. <laughs> Car-
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just think that stuff is
1: so funny. I mean, it's it's like, I can't explain why it's funny, but it's like, at the same time, I'm like, I don't want this in my brain. What's funny no. about
2: it is that, like, you're laughing, but there, you know, there's thousands of people around the world that find it
0: unbelievably erotic. <laughs> and the idea of making it, I think of that, the creators behind this, <laughs> oh, like, oh, God God using
2: their, to, like, uh, their, their drawing tools.
0: Yep. Oh, God. Unbelievable. I oh, wish I didn't know about any easy. of this. Um. All right. So, Duff, next up, man. What are we doing?
1: Uh. So, next up is kind of like, I think, what a lot of people will think of like the first internet movie is uh, The Net.
0: Hmm. Sandra Bullock. I've never seen speed. that one.
1: I haven't seen this either.
0: No, I haven't either. Actually, I don't know. Uh, a lot of the movies we're talking about this season, I have not seen. Will be first watches. Yeah, for same.
1: Me. This is a lot of new. I yeah. think I've seen You Got Mail. That's like the.
0: And I seen Enemy of the State. Yeah, Enemy of the State. I've seen.
2: Um, uh-huh.
1: but um, so I'm about to text you guys. Uh, one of my favorite weirdo cartoon things. Oh, so. Jesus, Jesus
2: Christ. <laughs> uh- <laughs> oh, here, here it comes. I'm really excited. Oh my <laughs>
0: <for this>. God. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I've seen this
2: before.
1: Uh, so someone remind me to post the Roger Rabbit baby on. I forgot about the Roger Rabbit ones.
2: God, we are sickos, man. Absolute sickos. Just
1: so many like. I mean, so are
2: you, just in a different way. So Mm. many
1: of my childhood memories were just pushed out to make room for like homoerotic Garfield stuff. (laughs) All right. (laughs)
0: Do we have anything else before we wrap this up? Now everyone knows why we were so excited to go online. (laughs) Uh, Oh, we
2: love to have fun on the computer.
0: Oh my god. No, I don't have anything else.
2: All right. Well, well, um, if you uh, want one more question Which cartoon would you guys most like to
1: have sex with? (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Are we into After Dark now? We're
0: not doing that. We're not doing it. okay <laughs> uh, if you want more content like this you can go to <laughs> patreon.com slash the midnight boys uh, we'll see what from this episode makes it on there and makes the actual cut I have no idea <laughs> and uh, we'll be back uh, next week talking about the net as we continue going online goodbye